Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the Easy Bake Oven. Like a boss, the best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's game time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM, ESPN. Happy Friday out there, October 13, 2023. Happy Memphis Tigers game day versus Tulane. T-minus about an hour and 56 minutes until kickoff. And welcome into the Gabe Kuhn Show. I am Gabe Kuhn, your former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman, your host on X at G underscore Kuhn 71. I'm alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Kuhn Show, Connor Dunning on X at C Dunning 99. Connor, how we how we feeling, brother? How you doing? I'm feeling great. Okay. How about Tiger's chances tonight? How are you feeling? Feeling good. Feeling I'm, good. I'm confident. confident. Tigers play well at home. Okay. They do. They have not lost to uh, Tulane at home since 1998, so that's that's a helpful stat. But this is a different Tulane team than we're used that to. That is very true, too. Now, three hours of talking the way, courtesy of 92.9 FM ESPN and yours truly. We have a lot to get to in the way of guests, so I'll get those out of the way real quick. Jeff Calkins, 5 o'clock, the Jeff Calkins Show and the Daily Memphian. He's going to be on his way down to Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium, the Sim. Uh, we'll talk to him about that game and a bunch of other things in the sports world. 5.30, we'll get you some picks with Lee Sterling. I think he has the Memphis Tulane game on his docket, so we'll we'll get his thoughts. We'll get his thoughts before they kick off at 6 o'clock. He'll be at 5.30 again. And then 6 o'clock, while the game is kicking off, Kyron Samuels, Gridiron Heroics, former Jacksonville State University, all-conference offensive lineman, uh, nephew of Chris Samuels, the great Chris Samuels, first-round pick. At Alabama, very good, very good uh, uh, offensive lineman for years and years and years with the Washington Redskins. He'll join at 6 o'clock. Um, outside of that, we're going to have some Grizzlies preseason to talk about Tigers versus Tulane. The Braves have officially been ousted from the playoffs, and quite frankly, I find it wild. Um, and there's some controversy that shouldn't be controversy involved with that. We'll get to that in just a moment, as well as Thursday night football and Connor, I can't wait to get to it. It'll be sort of at the end of this first segment. I want to do a blind resume with Sean Payton versus another coach in the NFL. Sean Payton is viewed as legendary. There's no doubt about it, right? Like he's viewed as uh, the, the start and end of success for the New Orleans Saints. 
No more bags over the head anymore for that franchise because Sean Payton, Drew Brees, the run they had. But I want to put him alongside another coach who comes under scrutiny a whole lot, and the resume is very, very, very similar. So we'll do a blind resume here at the end of this first segment, take a trip around the NFL at 430. Um, we'll have the Blitz at 630, and I'll cover Week 7 college football in four words or less. It's going to be a fun show. But um, Tiger Stelane tonight. Kickoff, going to be here before we know it. Um, we're going to talk about it as the show goes along. But, I, you know, I know that keys to the game can be, become cliche and sort of annoying and a little bit bizarre at times. It's usually the same things, run the ball, stop the run. But there's two things that this Tigers team needs to do to be able to be in this game and win it against Tulane. Now, again, the line is not massive by any stretch of the imagination. It's, you know, it's been between three and five all week. Uh, Vegas expects them to stick in this game. I certainly expect them to stick in this game. But on the offensive side of the ball, I think it becomes pretty simple. Tulane is the number 11 rush defense. So I think it'll be tough sledding all night for Blake Watson, that old line, to get the run game going. But if they can keep that defensive line, that defensive front of Tulane at bay, Patrick Jenkins sort of leads the charge three sacks so far this year. Definitely really good at stopping the run, has a bunch of TFLs. They just need to keep that defensive line and defensive front at bay, and I think offensively they'll have an opportunity. We saw Seth Hennigan against that Boise State team take care of the football, throw for 270 yards, two TDs, no INTs. If he can do that and he doesn't have people hanging off of his back the whole night, I like what the Memphis receivers showed against Boise State. Demir Blankamsey, of course, Rock Taylor. I think they can take advantage as long as Seth Hennigan stays upright and they stay on pace as an offense. Now, defensively, this is as simple as it gets because I don't think this defense – I'm not discouraged by what they've done in it, by any stretch of the imagination. I think that they're uh, you know, very solid. I think they have talent. They have depth on that side of the ball. But what we've seen so far this year, they've given up a lot of yards. But they've given up a lot of yards in chunks, right? They haven't been that, that defense that's just consistently getting walked down seven yards at a time. It'll be a massive shot on first or second down for 40 yards down the field. Against Navy, it was Alex Tezka running you know, a 75-yard touchdown. They have been bad about giving up big plays. But when we talk about third-down defense, they've gotten off the field. They've been really good, even against uh, uh, Boise State. Three for 10, Boise State on third down. Against Mizzou, 0 for 8 on third down. They have to get Tulane to third down and make them convert. Don't give up the big plays and allow them to make short work of the field. So, again, when we talk about offense, keep that Tulane front at bay. And on the other side, make sure. Make sure you don't give up big plays. Don't let people get behind you and play gap sound. And I think those are, I mean, that's about as simple as it gets. Yeah, the only thing I would add to that is try to force a turnover. Yeah, you know, yeah. And that's, that, that only, goes, he's that's only thrown natural. one pick all season. He's only thrown one. If you can force a turnover but, and just keep them at bay with the big plays, you, you're putting yourself in a nice position. But then, like, when you talk about just game to game, I think every single college football team in America says win the turnover battle. Right. So that's sort of a natural one built in. Try to be timely. Try to make things happen. It's been Get the a, ball out, a, of, out, of, out of Michael Pratt and that offense. Right. It's, just, it's been a, a big point of conversation, I think, for Memphis this year, considering, you know, Seth's been a, bit, been a bit loose with the football in a few games, but he's certainly shown that he's getting better at that. So, yeah, just I, like you said, 
unfortunately, keys of the game, especially with one like this, may be a bit cliche, but they're also cliche for reasons because they're they're mostly true. Um, now, on to Grizzlies preseason game number three. We passed you off to it yesterday at 6 o'clock. 6.30 was the tip. 103-102 Hawks. I don't care about the final score. I really don't in preseason. I just want to see who's out there, who's getting going. There was no, I mean, Derrick Rose, Jared, Desmond Bain all out. Marcus Smart, of course, out. Although Marcus Smart, for those that are concerned about his abdominal pain, Taylor Jenkins said before the game that it's starting to subside. So don't have the PTSD that you had with Steven Adams. On this particular injury, Marcus Smart should be ready to go by the time we get to October 25th. Last night, I think the big story in Grizzlies preseason, Gigi Jackson. (laughs) He's 18 years old. He was born in 2005, and this kid can go, man. There's no doubt about it. Now, when when you talk about scouting reports in the NBA draft, they say he can get his shot. And usually, I think there's a lot of people, especially – with young guys, they say, well, he can get a shot. Does that just mean he puts up a bunch? No, he clearly has a knack for finding his opportunities and trying to take advantage. Now, he was 9 for 23 from the field. He had 24 points. He had a three that put up the Grizzlies late in that game in crunch time. I thought that was massively impressive from an 18-year-old. But we have to remember, this guy, truthfully, because he reclassified and went to South Carolina, this guy should be in the middle of training camp for a college basketball program right now. And you see a lot of people out there saying, oh, he's not a finished product. Of course he's not a finished product. He's 18 years old. He was born in 2005. But damn, thinking of the possibilities and the potential, the attributes that he possesses, it is so fun to think about what he could be in two years, and they got him at 45th overall. This is, this is a fun thought process around what G.G. Jackson could be in a couple of years for this Grizzlies team. It's a really exciting prospect when you look at him. You know, he's got all of the tools. He's 6'9", 215. The physicalness of his game is already there. The talent is absolutely there. Now you just gotta, you just got to kind of put it together. He's going to be able to absolutely cook down in South Haven this year. Yep. He is. He and he is going to and be And there's going to be some ugly games for him. Don't sure, get it twisted. But that's okay. Like you said, he was like he he was born 2000 December 04, so almost 05. He's almost an 05 baby. But still, 2004 was when this kid was born, all right? Like Okay. We've got to give him time. Give him time to I grow. Round it up. Don't throw yeah, That's fair. It's fair. He's still everything that you said is still true. I don't understand why people are trying to rush to make him like part of the rotation. Oh, of course it's, not. I, breaks, I think that's ridiculous. It's extremely, extremely encouraging what we have seen from G.G. Jackson every time he gets an opportunity. Yes, he shoots the ball a lot, but right now, that's fine with me. Put up your shots, score your points, figure out what type of player, what type of score you can be on a basketball court. I am thrilled that he is in the Memphis Grizzlies system. I, I truly am. At 45, he feels like he could really turn into a steal of the draft when we look up two years from now. And hopefully he can be a part of a Memphis Grizzlies team a few years from now because I do see the vision. You see it. Hey, this guy can come in and just fill it up. That's what you want him to be. Now, if the defense can catch up to it, if the playmaking can catch up to it, that's even better. And the defense can catch up. He's got the ability. He's got the ability. He's got some length. He's tall. And he, he can play physical when he wants, but he's 18 years old. You can build a little bit more on that frame, which is already pretty – like he's built like a grown man already. Yeah, he pushes guys around. Old. He pushes yeah. guys around. Um, but I, I like what they have. And I like with, with prospects like this, who are number one overall recruits who reclassified, I think Imani Bates fits this category as well. You have to come now, your second-round pick, 
You have to come from a spot of I have to earn everything. Yeah. And so far with Amani and with the Cavs and then Gigi Jackson with the Grizzlies, I think I've seen a little bit of that. I think I've seen, hey, I have to earn my keep. I have to go make something happen. But it's a mindset shift that we're going to have to watch as he gets older. And he doesn't have a fully developed mind. You don't develop your mind until about your, your brain until you're about 25. He's 18 years old. We'll see how it progresses. <laughs> um, and, well, and you want to build confidence at this time. Well, to your point, we he is not – we. He is still a rookie, technically. He has not played a single NBA minute in the regular season, and we've already talked about him four or five times on this show about being a possible future option for the Memphis Grizzlies because he's making the most of the opportunities he has now. And that's that's all you can ask of him right now is when you get an opportunity with this NBA team to put something up, to show something, he's been doing it over and over again. And show confidence. He, show confidence. he certainly plays and with another it. guy we've been waiting to see confidence from who may take over that fifth starting spot as the season goes. You know, we get into the regular season, 25 games without John Moran. It's Zaire Williams. I thought game two of the preseason – I was very happy about the confidence he was showing. Last night, again, not perfect by any stretch of imagination. I think he had three turnovers, but 12 points, four for seven from three. I keep seeing flashes of Zaire Williams with that confidence yet again. And I, I think that there's promise two games in a row in the regular se- or in the preseason. Definitely agree. It's We have seen the preseason that we hope to see from Zaire Williams so far, where he's moving differently, he is playing with purpose, he is playing with confidence. I still go back to that dunk highlight from game two. It's just the way he did it. It's the aggression that he had, the energy that he had, and how he threw it down. It wasn't, it wasn't, there was no hesitation to it. He was like, I'm going and dunking this basketball, and nobody is going to stop me. And that's something that we just haven't seen before. He certainly looks like a different basketball player out there. Does that mean he can be a starter for this team? I'm not sure yet. We don't have a big enough of a sample size with this quote-unquote new Zaire. But I think he'll get his opportunity. But I'm certain he's definitely going to get his opportunity. And this first 25 games is going to be huge for Zaire Williams. And I think that he has the Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Ability to clinch that he is going to be part of the rotation, if not that fifth starter when everybody comes back. Because you are looking for the the the, the three. You're looking for the wing, quote-unquote. So he could be that thing in the first 25 games before Jock comes back, and it would be great. That's thrilling news for the Memphis Grizzlies. Yep. If Zaire Williams steps up and says, this is my spot and it's undeniable that that's his spot, that bodes well for the Grizzlies later this season because you know, okay, Z may not have to be a starter anymore, but he is a starter-level guy that we have on an NBA bench, and that is great for depth. It's just, and I think that there's been a really healthy competition between these three guys. All three of them are playing well. Z's just probably been the best of the three. 
Mm-hmm. Now, another pseudo-positive from last night, and I say pseudo, like Zaire did not play the cleanest of games, but I thought he played with confidence. Another guy that I just do like, and he's older, um, and he's another wing, and it's going to be hard for him to really crack the rotation because he's not coming from a privileged spot, but Vince Williams, yeah. I just want you to know you are seen. Okay, Now, it was not clean. He was one for eight from three, three for ten from the field, but he had 12 points, nine rebounds, three assists, uh, a steal, three blocks. Like this guy, at the very least, if he's not going to help you offensively down down the road, you know that he's going to give you everything he has on the defensive end. He's got the length and the size to go defend NBA threes. And I, and I like I like the upside that could potentially be for there. I don't think he's some high ceiling guy, but. I still like Vince Williams. He's the guy that does the dirty work. You always need somebody who is willing to do the dirty work and not score the basketball. Yeah, he shot it ten times, but I, you know, the opportunity was there last night with who was playing. But he's the one that's going to go for the rebounds. He's going to go for the steals. He's going to move the ball. He's going to make sure the little things get done on the yep. basketball court, and that's so important. We call those guys glue guys. You know that that's my term for him. He is a he is a prototype for a glue guy moving forward, and that is a that's exciting for me. It's, you know, because we haven't had a true glue guy since we lost Melton, so maybe maybe he could rise to the occasion. Now, when it comes to negatives, uh, it wasn't on the court. I think Kenneth Lofton Jr. has been a very solid player on the court. He does need to get his defense honed in. He does need to rebound. He does need to do the dirty work. But there is something coming out of sort of Grizzlies camp that's not so fun to hear, and I know a lot of people like Kenneth Lofton Jr. I do too. I just have I'm, I, I come from a place of skepticism about him breaking a rotation and being an NBA big consistently on on the Grizzlies team. He came into camp over 300 pounds. That is that's not for a guy who was an undrafted free agent. For a guy who needs to show all the dirty work, all the extra needs to go the extra mile on the defensive end needs to go the extra mile in rebounding, needs to do everything outside of the offensive side of the ball, which we know he's skilled at, that is not a good thing. You cannot come into camp overweight if you're a guy like Kenneth Lofton Jr. who's trying to earn your keep, and that's frustrating. And this is why you and I, as compared to a lot of other folks in this market, we come from a place of skepticism about him being able to take over as a four or five in a consistent rotation with the Grizzlies. Because, again, he has to hone in defense. He has to hone in rebounding. And if you're coming into camp overweight, that's not good. It's a disservice to himself Yes. at the end of the day. You know, I think that we're all rooting for Junior, junior to become something. You know, he is a really interesting prospect to have on this team. They signed him to a deal because they saw, hey, there might be something here. But then he has to put in the work himself. You have to put in the work. The himself. talent has to meet the hard work. Yes, it does. And it is concerning that he came over overweight. I will say, last night when he was playing on the floor, he wasn't filling it up offensively as much as he usually did. But he was moving the basketball very well. He had five assists. He was playing better defense than I yep. think I've seen him play, and he was rebounding the basketball. All that being said, be in shape when the, you come to training. Camp. The reason it's a conversation about Junior is a lot of people this this offseason or preseason, have been comparing him to guys like Santi Aldama or Xavier Tillman. And I'm sorry, I don't think that he's close to either of those guys right now with what he can do to help this basketball team. You've got to put it into context of what do the Memphis Grizzlies need in depth from a big. Santi Aldama gives you a stretch forward. He's also pretty good on defense. He moves the basketball well. 
He's this high IQ player that's always in the right spot, and he can fill it up offensively sometimes. Xavier Tillman filled in for about two months for Steven Adams brilliantly last year. He does so All many things work. well without the ball in his hands. He's a great screen setter. He's a great rebounder. He's a great defender. Kenneth Lofton isn't those things yep. yet, and it's okay that he's that's not fine. those things yet. He can develop He's it. still really young. He's a really young guy. We've got to give him time to develop. But he's not ready to do the Xavier Tillman stuff. He's not ready to do the Santi Aldama stuff. And that's not, that doesn't mean that I don't believe Junior can be something. It's just the facts of the situation right now. Until he can be impactful on the basketball court without the basketball in his hands, he's not going to break into the rotation. That's as simple as you can put it with Kenneth Lofton Jr. What can you do without the ball in your hands? We know he's electrifying with the ball in his hands. Absolutely. What can you do without it? Defense. Uh, being in the right spots on the floor, offensively, rebounding, all those different things need to develop before he becomes part of the rotation. And, like, it's fine, but at some point he's going to have to take it upon himself. Don't be out of, uh, don't be out of shape. Don't come in overweight. And make sure you're honing on the things that you don't do well. I was always told as an athlete growing up, okay, you do these things well. Practice the things that you're weak at. Practice your weaknesses. That makes you a better player. That gets you into the positions you want to be in. That's what we have to see from Kenneth Lofton Jr. Um, moving on from Grizzlies preseason, they have two more games on the road. Uh, they will, uh, in the preseason, they'll play the Heat on Sunday, and then five-day layoff, they'll play the Bucks, and then that'll wrap up their, their preseason schedule. Um, Braves are knocked out of the, the NL playoff picture. I, can't, I, I mean, it's amazing to me. Um, one of the craziest stats, it just goes to show how crazy the MLB playoffs can be year to year. The five best teams in the regular season, the highest win totals in the regular season, they're all out right now. They're all sitting at home. First time ever that none of the top five teams with regular season win total have reached the LCS. And then those teams, this is, this is the craziest stat, they combine for 1-13 in, in playoff baseball. Wow. Now, I think the Phillies are a great team. They're a very good team. They have a lot of talent. They can make things happen. Bryce Harper and Nick Castellanos were phenomenal in this series. They beat the Braves 3-1. to It's 3-1. The series is over. And the Braves have been knocked out by the Phillies for the second consecutive year. And um, the Braves, I can't fathom how badly they played offensively after what they did during the regular season. 104 wins. They were the best um, – they, they, they were the best offense in baseball this entire year. They led in hits, average, RBIs, slugging percentage, OPS, all of those categories, major statistical categories. In the series, they batted 195 and only had two home runs. I can't fathom that. I just don't know how that happens. And there's a lot of excuses made by the Braves. One uh, is that, you know, they had a long layoff with the NL wild card being three games. One's that, oh, it's not a seven-game series. They could have caught their stride in the DS if it was a longer series. But in the end of the day, it just shows they weren't ready for this moment at this particular time. And that's, that's okay. I think they'll reload. They'll be fine. They have all these guys locked up for years and years and years. But it is crazy to see the drop-off they had from the regular season into four games of the postseason. That makes no 195 two bombs. That's it, all they it was could, a that's bit all jarring. they could Well, and take out Austin Riley, what does it look like? You know, like right. take out Austin Riley's play in the series, and that offense looks even worse. Let me tell you, man. He was pretty much the only guy that showed up on the offensive side for them. I also want to mention Trey Turner. He hit 500. Stuck. 500 in the series. That's nuts. That's crazy hitting 500 in a series. But no, it's uh it was it was kind of jarring to see how 
they looked and, lost on the offensive side. I, I'm not quite sure how to explain it. I think there's something to, okay, they had a bit of a break, sure. sure but, but we've also, this is also what the MLB playoffs have yes, been. Always. You know, you should have been ready for that. And I forgot where the MLB said you weren't allowed to take batting practice during that time. Like, they were allowed to do yep. things. All right, so... That thing, I'm not past game one. That excuse makes absolutely no sense to me. They ran into the worst team they could have possibly played in the playoffs. The Phillies live for the playoffs. That city lives for the playoffs, and they had the perfect team. They build their teams for the playoffs for this moment. Guys who are ready to go to war at any moment, and that is what this Philadelphia team is. It's there is something special with this group, man. I, I they really have captured my heart. Like I said, they are the Miami Heat of the MLB. That's gross, you by the way. A Philadelphia not... team capturing your heart. Ah, Nasty work ah, there, Connor Dunning. Why not? Why not? My team stinks this year. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm rolling with the with the fun one. And to be honest, they came in second place last year. Let's let's yeah. you know, I'm uh, kind of rooting for them. And and like the Braves, even outside of the hitting, like there were plays out there that could have been made. There were mistakes, I think. By Rob Thompson, the Phillies manager, that I'll get to in a second. Right. That they could have taken advantage. Kevin Pillar last night, that was a rough night. Very brother. weird. Um, first, he didn't score on a wild pitch in the seventh inning with the bases loaded and Ronald Acuna at the plate. Ronald Acuna almost went in Braves lore for he almost hit the ball out of the stadium. He almost pulled a poppy. Yeah, that was very close. But he didn't score. He got about halfway down the line and decided to retreat. I don't really get that. If it's three to two and you have two innings of work to go. See what you can do on the offensive end. Things change, man. Butterfly effect. There's a lot of things that happen in baseball. If you're one run down as opposed to two, you can play more small ball, see what you can make happen. And then in the ninth when they had first and third with no outs, and and shout out Matt Strom. I'll get to that in a second. But it's unforgivable unforgivable to pop up to the shortstop. (laughs) Literally the one thing you can't do. Put something on the ground to the right side of the infield. Just get a run in. Or if you're going to hit in the air, hit it to the outfield. Yes. Just the the worst possible thing you could do. Brutal. And I have to give Matt Strom a lot of credit because I thought Rob Thompson, the Phillies manager, mismanaged that game. He used Jose Alvarado, basically their setup man in the seventh. Craig Kimbrell, their closer in the eighth. And I think he got very lucky. I thought he mismanaged his bullpen. I think he got very lucky that Matt Strom was ready to answer the call. Like that, but that's what you see in playoff baseball. Sometimes guys are ready to go in that moment, and Matt Strom definitely was there. I think it's brutal to see the last out of the year for the Braves be Vaughn Grissom at the plate. This is a guy who they thought was going to be their everyday shortstop, and he just sort of, through the Good luck. Through spring training, through the early part of the season, he just was not, he was, you know, MIA. He, he couldn't do anything. Um, Nick Castellanos was phenomenal. I mentioned that already, but t- another two home run game, four four in two games to close out the series. Um, first play in MLB history to hit multiple home runs in back-to-back postseason games. And he, he's, he's got a little uh, personality on him, doesn't he? He's got a little FU in him. Yeah. But that, you need that for, you need fil- that in for the fill. That's what, it, like, Bryce Harper I like how they, and Castellanos, they <laughs> match the city so well. Nick Castellanos was on with uh, MLB Network and, MLB Network host was like, I just, you know, you fit Philly so well. And he goes, yeah, I F with Philly. And he didn't say F. He said, yeah, I F with Philly. And that's sort of the final answer. It's going to be a T-shirt. It'll um, be a T-shirt exactly. immediately. Did you see the attaboy yeah. <laughs> in the locker and in, in, in the sacred, of which, in the sacred locker room, Gabe Coon. Speaking of which, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. We had reporters in the – after game two, when Bryce Harper got doubled up off second, Orlando Arcia got caught saying, attaboy Harper. I – and reporters are being castigated because they were in there and reported what was said. There's a lot of things you can't do in a, in a locker room. You can't comment on 
how people are conducting themselves in their locker when they're dressing and they're doing all these things. But if something is said and there's recorders and cameras rolling, that's all. It's free game. And Braves fans need to get a grip with that. It's a, it's a sacred area, but it's a sacred area that reporters are allowed access to. Well, there is also time where reporters are not allowed into in in the locker room. There are also places that reporters can't go in the locker room. If you wanted to say something and it be truly private, you would have waited for them to leave or you said it before they got there, or you would have gone to an area where they couldn't hear you. Hey, man, how about you try to hit a baseball? Yep, yep. But it's maybe sets, maybe that helps. This all sets up. Diamondbacks versus Phillies. As everybody predicted. Phillies may get through in five, but the Diamondbacks just a sweep Dude, of the they're, Dodgers. They're pitching knows? staff. Yeah, look. They good. got the pitching. They they might be able to make some noise. What were what were your original thoughts on uh, Thursday night football? Nineteen eight Chiefs. Ew. Gross. Ew. Chiefs don't look Super right gross. offensively, and I think the one thing I'd have to say about the Chiefs is <laughs> they need wide receivers. They need they need to find somebody who can catch the ball outside of Travis Kelsey. Rasheed Rice. A rookie out of SMU that we got to see stud. He's their leading wide receiver right now. And then going into last night, Justin Watson is their leading wide receiver outside Who? of Travis. Exactly. But I, I, they need to do something before the trade deadline to address that. And sidebar, the tush push. I was going to ask you. With Noah <laughs> Gray <laughs> on, they fake the field goal. Like, this is why I get annoyed with the conversation about banning it because the Eagles are good at it. Maybe the Eagles are just good at it and they need to be praised. You have a a quarterback who squats 650. You have a guy in Travis Kelsey who has one of the best centers of gravity, and he's short, and he can get about two inches off the ground to get under any defensive lineman who's across from Maybe we just need to praise them for being good at it instead of trying to outlaw it, but either way. Kelsey was good last night. Yeah, I thought Kelsey was great last night with uh, with our lady in the stands. Our lady? Taylor, Taylor Swift. Dying um, lady of the NFL. Uh, on the Broncos front, they're 1-4 and four now, and – Russell Wilson catches a lot of flack because he is the most expensive guy on that team, right? But he's not the full issue at all. There's a couple of different things. Wide receivers can't beat man coverage. Jerry, Judy, Cortland Sutton, they can't beat man coverage. And we'll talk about Jerry, Judy as we get into the blitz as well. Um, He had a beef with Steve Smith Sr. on NFL Network. Um, But then also they make up for it by not knowing when to sit down in zone. And if you know about the history of Sean Payton and how he runs his offense – the entire Sean Payton system is built on wide receivers and a quarterback knowing when someone should sit down in zone versus what coverage. That is what Drew Brees did so well in New Orleans. That's why Michael Thomas set the reception record is because he knew where to sit and when his quarterback was going to find him. Um, also, the reason it's not Russ's all his fault, the defense was fine last night, but the 32 out of 32 in yards allowed and points per game. You don't win a lot of NFL football games doing that. Now, I understand that it may be skewed by the 70 they gave up to the Dolphins, but still, 32 out of 32 in points per game and yards allowed. Um, I also think there's something to be said about Sean Payton. Sean Payton, he's, he's not adjusting to his personnel the right way. Russell Wilson is not Drew Brees. I think that much is damn apparent. Russell Wilson, when he was with the Seahawks, yes, had a good defense, but when he was making his plays, it's outside of the pocket, improvising, making plays off-platform, pushing the ball downfield to receivers. Drew Brees ultimately was a guy who sat in the pocket, tried to pick apart your zone, knew when his wide receivers were going to be open, delivered accurate footballs. That is not who Russell Wilson is. And I don't think he's pulling the right strings. I don't think Sean Payton's managing the game the right way. The timeout at the end of the first half to set up Harrison Butker's 60-yarder was just, it's unforgivable. But I want to do a blind resume really quick. 
Sean Payton, in his career, good career as a coach, 153-93 and 93 is a regular season record, 9-8 and eight in the playoffs, and he has a Super Bowl win to his belt. Good resume, or borderline great resume, right? That's fair. Um, but when we talk about Sean Payton, especially before this year, it was legendary coach. Legendary. Got, got things out of the Saints that no one ever could out of the Saints. There's another coach who coaches in the NFC who I want to bring up his resume. This coach, 158-99, and 11-10 and 10 in playoffs, so he has a little bit more in playoff experience and winning than Sean Payton, and he has a Super Bowl victory as well. I mentioned Sean Payton is viewed through this legendary lens because of what he did with the Saints. Do you know who the blind resume coach is? I have a few guesses, but I don't want to spoil anything, so I'm going to let you cook. The blind resume is Mike McCarthy. Oh, wow. With the Dallas Cowboys and formerly with the Green Bay Packers. He won a Super Bowl there. Hmm. Very similar resumes, but Sean Payton is viewed as a legendary, great, elite head coach, and Mike McCarthy, every single year, even though he goes 12-5 and with the Dallas Cowboys, is castigated as a guy who's holding his team back. Why is that? Right? Like, why do we view Sean Payton through such a different lens than Mike McCarthy? I think it could catch up as the season goes along, but I have a, I have a theory. It's that Payton boosts it up by being the start and end of success in New Orleans. That's why he's boosted up. Um, and I think he's boosted up by Drew Brees and the brain trust they had all those years. The truth of the matter, though, is Sean Payton, if we're going by resume and we're going by who he's being compared to and what his resume says he is, he's a good to great coach. He's not a leader legendary. That is the truth of the matter. Him and Mike McCarthy are on the exact same level from a resume standpoint, but I feel like in the eyes of most NFL fans, that's not the case. So something to chew on. I found that very interesting when I went back and looked up some resumes. Now, um, I got to tell you about Old Dominic. Old Dominic is fantastic, and uh, they are the one place in town that gives you option after option when it comes to spirits. Uh, Gin, vodka, their famous toddy. It's repackaged. Whiskey. uh, And now they have bourbon as well. Make sure you check out uh, their, their bourbon. Their newly released bourbon line is ready and available. Four bottles, cast strength. Two separate bottles of that, one age four, one age five years. They have bottled in bond. They're available in the area. Get your hands on a bottle as soon as possible. And they always take care of you. Get down to the distillery, 305 South Front Street, and check out what makes them so special. You can grab a drink at the bar, uh, finish a night out in style, or you can join them for a tour and tasting, which you can book at olddominic.com. Old Dominic Distillery. Come say hi. Now, we need to go ahead and grab a break, and when we come back, We'll get into a trip around the National Football League before we get to the weekend right here on the Gabe Kuhn Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Back in on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. It's time to take a trip around the National Football League, brought to you by Longshot. The Cleveland Browns. This Deshaun Watson situation is kind of strange to me. He's, he's rolled out again with a shoulder injury. They started Dorian Thompson-Robinson last week. He was terrible. Um, but he has this shoulder issue. P.J. Walker is going to start for him. 
But the reason this is a little weird is two weeks ago, Kevin Stefanski said he was cleared medically. And the last time that Deshaun Watson played, he went 27 for 33, 289, and two TDs. And then after the game, they realized that there was the shoulder issue. I, I It sounds like he wants to play, but the Browns are holding him out. Um, now, they are playing the 49ers this week. So... I guess if the rationale is we're paying, we're playing the 49ers, let's not play with fire here and get him more injured than he is because of the pass rush with Nick Bosa and all those guys up front, I guess I can get that. This also a guy that you played five years, $230 million to, all guaranteed. Don't you want him on the field? I mean, I just I, – I find it weird, and most of the reporting in the, in the Browns' orbit is not well done enough, and they're not getting enough out of the staff and from Deshaun Watson himself as to why he's being held out. Some people think that Deshaun Watson's holding himself out. Some people think it's the training staff. I guess we'll see as as this sort of develops and goes forward. But Deshaun Watson out again. P.J. Walker, a guy I used to play when he was at Temple, he's going to start the game this weekend against the 49ers. The Denver Broncos. Frank Clark has been released officially. They tried to find a trade partner for him, but like, let's think about the Broncos this offseason. Frank Clark, Randy Gregory is edges. Randy Gregory has been traded to the 49ers. Frank Clark's released. Now, most people around the NFL, it makes sense if you just sort of tie it all together. If you read the tea leaves, why wouldn't Frank Clark end up back with the Chiefs? He's an unbelievable playoff player, and he's done it time after time after time with the Kansas City Chiefs. And George Karloftis, who they drafted last year, really good player, but Frank Clark has proven, and he's proven it in playoff situations, which is what the Chiefs need. So I wonder how that all figures it out, figures itself out. But the Broncos, again, traded Randy Gregory, released Frank Clark, and now there's r- rumors about Jerry Judy being on the block based on all these reports I see. The Broncos, it's like fire sale slash save money on, on guys, save money on your... Uh, on your salary cap. This is this is bad, though, for the Broncos, ultimately, isn't it? I mean, it's just it's not looking good. I mean, it, it, this is probably the worst-case scenario of how the season could have gone. Yeah, right? 100%. And then I, you have all these talented guys you paid a whole lot of money for, and you're just letting them roll. They're gone. It reminds me of fantasy football when, like, the worst team just starts <laughs> trading his players to the best team, and there's yeah. a bunch of collusion going on because they keep releasing and trading these guys to, like, the hey. 49ers, the Chiefs. It's like, hey— Frank Clark, relax, and Jerry Judy to the Chiefs. That would be that would help them a lot. That would certainly help. Get them another a lot. edge for the playoffs. Find a wide receiver because Chiefs wide receiver situation. I'm sorry. I know that they're still an elite offense because they have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid dialing it all up. But that wide receiver situation is horrible. Kadarius Tony is not a good football player right now. Like I, I'm sorry. Like, they try to give him end rounds. They try to get the ball in his hands. He can't make anything happen. And then he's, he's, he's got the drops. He doesn't run good routes. I mean, I swear if an arrow route, which an arrow route, you're in the slot and you just sort of go into the flat. If an arrow route in, the, in a goal line situation, because that's how he got a touchdown last night, and he, got, he had one also in the Super Bowl last year. If an arrow route was not a part of the Chiefs' game plan, Kadarius Toney would have no production. Like, zero production. So... Chiefs, look into it. The New York Giants. Daniel Jones has a neck injury, and he's ruled out against the Bills Sunday Night Football. Did you see the line on this game? Did you see the line, Connor? Is it like... It's bad. 10? Higher. It's higher than 10? Higher. 13 and a half. Higher. Are you serious? Yep. 16. 
15. Wow. That's big. <laughs> that's a huge NFL 15, line. That's and crazy. it's trending toward 15 and a half because people are taking the bills on Sunday night football. That's going to be a terrible Sunday night football game. But Daniel Jones is out, and I think you need to keep him out. Don't play with a neck injury. I wonder, this is my big question about that. I wonder how Tyrod Taylor, their backup, looks. Like, he's he's always been a solid pro. He's a pro's pro. I wonder how he looks in a day ball system because they do draw up a lot of design runs for Daniel Jones. You can run the very, very similar things with Tyrod Taylor. That offense has been offensive. And I feel as if Tyrod Taylor's not that much, like, based on what we've seen from Daniel Jones this year, it's not that much of a drop-off, is it? It really isn't. I've seen, I've seen Tyrod Taylor take the Buffalo Bills before they were this version of the Buffalo Bills to the playoffs. 10-6 and six record. And he was about to start ahead of Justin Herbert until they punctured his lung. I guess Tyrod Tyro Taylor might be okay. He was on the – he was being mentioned when the Aaron Rodgers thing, when he went down, people were like, Tyrod Taylor's sitting right there. He's already in New York. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I did bring up the Chargers and uh, the lung being punctured. They were leaving Justin Herbert as a starter, and he took over pretty well. Let's just say that It much. worked out. Yeah, it worked out. Um are you ready for Monday night? We'll talk more about it more on Monday night, but Monday night football is going to be Cowboys at Chargers. How many hot takes about Dak and Justin Herbert are we going to fit in before we get to Monday night? Too many to count. It's ridiculous. It's going to be the hot take bowl. It's going to be the, the same line as the Giants game this weekend, 15. <laughs> but, I mean, Cowboys are favored by two in that game. And I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it ought to be. Justin Herbert's been unlocked. He's Eckler's been back. That's all good. I care about. Yeah, Thank you need God. that. You need that for – dude. Fantasy. It's been a tough year. Yeah, hey man, I'm doing all right in the nine two nine league though. It happens, dude. It happens. And like I, again, I'm always the the guy who hates when people ask me fantasy football advice. I don't have it for you. Sorry, <laughs> I just don't. That was a nice way of telling me to shut the f up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, that'll be the hot take bowl. Um, now, if you want to snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports, but go ahead and do it right now. New customers can get two hundred dollars in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five dollar bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options. Get involved right this second. The betting options include, but are not limited to, spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash GabeK. That's my promo code, G-A-B-E-K. Again, G-A-B-E-K. That's my promo code. And kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL and 92.9 ESPN. You must be 21 plus and present in Tennessee. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Refund issued. <laughs> oh, bonus issued. Withdrawable bonus uh, bets. Oh my gosh. I'm a $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is not withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you have a gambling problem, it's simple. Call Tennessee Redline 1 800. 889-9789. Still plenty upcoming on the show, but we are going to be guest heavy as we get to it. We're going to get you some picks. You can use that FanDuel promo code. Get in on the action. Get some picks with Lee Sterling around 530. We'll talk to Kyron Samuels uh, from Gridiron Heroics, former Jacksonville State O-lineman, uh, about some college football and NFL. But coming up next, per normal 5 o'clock, it's going to be our man, Jeff Calkins. On the way to the sim, I'd imagine. Right this second. So we'll go ahead and get to that. 92.9 FM ESPN. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.